0: You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on Christ the King Sunday, November 24th, 2019. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross the word of the lord thanks be to god in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen so as i was just telling the children today we are celebrating christ the king sunday which is a wonderful thing to celebrate Uh, but it's a, a somewhat odd thing for us as americans to celebrate because As Americans, we don't have a king. In fact, in our country, we are kind of decidedly anti-king. Our our country was founded on the principle of no kings. We didn't want them. We don't want them in the future. Didn't want them at all. And we set up our constitution specifically so that we would never have a king. We have checks and balances. We have the, the power in our government distributed over lots of different people because the founders of our country had all experienced what it was like to be under the rule of a king who didn't really care for them. When our country broke away from England, uh, our king was in England. And England isn't that far away today when you hop on an airplane and you're there in about six hours. I mean, that's a long plane ride, but it's it's not that long to get to England when it comes down to it. But when our country was founded, it took months to get from here to there and from there to here. And so if you had something that you needed to bring before the king, you would have to get on a boat yourself or send a letter by boat, and it would travel across the Atlantic Ocean, and then the king would decide what he decided, and then it would travel back across the Atlantic Ocean, and then you'd have your answer. But that's not a very efficient way uh, to, to rule a country, is it? No. And it was not an efficient way for a king to actually care about his colonies so far across the ocean. And so we rebelled and we said, no more kings. We're going to do it a different way in our country. And I'm glad that we did for various reasons. There's a a movie uh, that I don't necessarily recommend that you go out and watch because it has some kind of crude joking in it. But it's called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Some of you have probably seen it. Um, And it's a, a movie from England about King Arthur uh, but it's all in jest. It's, it's a comedy. Again, it's crude. I don't recommend it. But the opening scene has King Arthur uh, galloping in, but not galloping on a horse. He doesn't have a horse. He's, he's just sort of like skipping like this. And his, his page is coming behind him with coconuts, making hoof-clopping noises like that. And he comes to a place in a field where there are some peasants. And the peasant says to him, who are you? And he says, I am Arthur, king of the Britons. And the peasant says, king of the what? King of the Britons. What's a Briton? Well, we're all Britons, and I'm, I'm their king. Well, who made you king? That's kind of a funny question to ask if you're in England, because everybody knew who the king of England was. And so Arthur uh, gives a, a spiel about how this lady in a lake had a sword, and he took the sword, and the peasant says, "That's no way to have someone be a king. We need to, to have a, a council and we elect people, and it's um, sort of a jest on, on monarchy. But if you think about it, this is largely the attitude of our world towards God. What? A king? Who made you king? But it can also be our own attitude as Christians, some of the time. time. And this is essentially what we do when we say, well, God, that's a nice idea, but I'm going to do it my own way. And how often is that how we do things, whether in big ways or in little ways? Maybe we just don't consult God and ask him in the first place. But that's a nice idea, God, I'm going to do it my own way. Why are we so afraid of kings? Why are we so afraid to have someone in authority over us? Well, generally it's because they fail us and history has proven it. There was a a man named John Darlberg Acton or Lord Acton. He was an English Catholic historian, politician and writer. And he wrote something in the late 1800s that I'm sure you've heard before. He said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men, even when they exercise influence and not authority, and still more when you superadd the tendency of certain and certainty of corruption by authority. And if we look at world history, this pretty much plays out. As people grow in authority and have less and less authority over them, maybe even no authority over them they start to do some pretty strange things. And we see this in in our own day as well. People who grow to be leaders of large corporations if they don't have checks and balances, pastors of large churches, pastors of small churches in some cases, people when they get too much authority, that authority tends to go to their heads and they do kind of strange things. And it all plays out differently for each leader. They have their own temptations, they're all their own ways in which they're fallen. But I think it's generally true power corrupts and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely and we can see this in the bible too so jeremiah was a prophet as we all know he's somewhere in the middle of the scriptures right around the place where you find isaiah but in isaiah in jeremiah's place in history he was there uh, for the last days of the kingdom of judah the israel was was divided into two kingdoms at a point just a little after David, so about three kings in, four kings in. Israel's divided, and there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom was called Judah. It's where Jerusalem was. And they had separate kings in these separate kingdoms, and most of them were bad. There were about 21 kings in the line of Judah, and five of them were good in the whole history of all of those 21 kings. And the last of the good kings was Josiah, and he had... Uh, four descendants that came after him and all of them were bad. And the last one was the the last king of Judah. So Jeremiah the prophet lives through the end of Josiah's reign and through the reign of these four other kings who are descended from him. And he has some observations to make. And where we pick up in the scriptures today in our reading is right after the chapter before. And the chapter before is talking about the corruption of these kings that had lived during Jeremiah's time. And so Jeremiah, then at the beginning of the chapter we read today, says this. He says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. And behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Now, the shepherd metaphor that's being used here was a common one in the scriptures for talking about uh, those in authority. Sometimes it was in the case of the the priests in the temple who were the religious authorities of their day, and sometimes it was with reference to the king of Israel or of Judah, um, largely because the second king of Israel was King David. And if you remember that story, he was called out of the fields where he was tending sheep. David literally was a shepherd, and he was anointed as king fresh from the fields, having tended sheep all day. And David is the one who writes Psalm 23 about how the Lord is my shepherd. And so we have this shepherd image throughout the scriptures referring to those in authority, often the king of Israel or the the temple authorities. And these were bad shepherds. Now, when we think about sheep, uh, sheep need someone to care for them. Sheep don't do well on their own. They need a shepherd who watches over them and guides them, leads them to green pastures, leads them to still waters where they can take a drink. Sheep need a shepherd. They don't do well on their own. And so their health and their vitality depend entirely on the shepherd that cares for them. If that shepherd is in it for himself or herself, then the sheep don't do well. They tend to be sick, they get picked off by predators, they they have bad outcomes generally. But if a shepherd really cares for the sheep and watches over them well, then the sheep thrive and they multiply and they grow. These were bad shepherds. Isaiah or I'm sorry, Jeremiah is talking about bad shepherds in this passage today. And he lived through a lot. He saw a lot of these bad shepherds walking away from the Lord, and that's really the thing that divided the good kings of Israel and Judah from the bad kings. The good kings were the ones who sought after the lord who took down the altars to idols and who lifted up the lord and promoted the worship of the lord in the nation the bad kings were the ones who turned away from the lord and went after other gods and did all kinds of sinful and immoral behaviors jeremiah lived through a lot of those bad kings and one commentator on this passage says that one is impressed with jeremiah's raw courage his capacity for righteous indignation in the presence of entrenched evil, and the clarity of his view of the realities of the present and the glories of the future read in the light of divine purpose. If you lived through the the kings that Jeremiah lived through, you might rightly decide to just sort of sit down and mope a little bit about how bad things were. Because it was bad. It wasn't a good time. To be in the tribe of Judah, and it ended with a pretty bloody exile to Babylon. But Jeremiah doesn't just dwell in the negatives of his present day. He holds out a future hope. And this is what we read in verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Do you see how this king is different from the other kings? The other kings turn away from the Lord, but this king, his very name will be the Lord is our righteousness. This is a king who's turning back himself and the people to God. And this, of course, is a reference to Jesus. When we look back on that, we can see it clearly. Jesus was to be a king like no other. And he filled this role perfectly, but he did so in a way that nobody expected. So listen to those words again, but pretend that you don't know anything about Jesus or what he did on earth or how he died and how he rose again. Listen to these words. And imagine that you know nothing about this coming king except for what's written right here. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. What would you expect a king like that to look like? What would you expect a king like that to do? Would you ever imagine that this king would establish his reign by hanging on a cross? I don't think so, not from these words by themselves. And yet in the gospel today Jesus is hanging on the cross. And here his mission is made clear. Because the inscription on the cross, right above Jesus' head, says, This is the King of the Jews. When Pilate ordered for that to be written on the cross, the Pharisees and the the temple leaders objected and they said, No, right instead, this man said he was the King of the Jews. And Pilate says, What I have written, I have written. He wasn't going to change it and he didn't realize it but his words were prophetic because that's exactly who jesus was and is the king of the jews and not just of the jews but the king of kings and the lord of lords as jesus entered jerusalem a few days before he died on the cross he did so with the palm branches that we remember on palm sunday we with lots of praise and shouts of hosanna oh save us But he did so not as a victor, but as a competitor entering the fray. Much like his ancestor David on the way to meet Goliath in battle, the victory is won on the cross, where he took our sins upon himself and suffered the penalty that we all deserve. N.T. Wright, who's an Anglican bishop and biblical scholar, writes this. He says, Jesus would be the David for this ultimate Goliath though with the difference that since violence and death were themselves the ultimate enemy, this David would win the battle by losing his life, with the four nails of crucifixion and the spear thrust in his side taking the place of the five stones that David took for his sling. Jesus' own mind, heart, and body would be the battlefield on which this victory would be won. Death was defeated forever. The chains of sin were broken. God's people were finally free to be the people that they were created to be. Children of God. And we can still be children of God today. All we need to do is repent and put our faith in him and he will welcome us just like he welcomed the thief who is hanging on the cross next to him when he said, you will be with me in paradise. But Jesus' kingship isn't just for the life to come. And if that's what you're waiting for, let me tell you, you are missing out. Because Jesus is not just king in the future, not just king on some far off distant day, and the faith that we proclaim is not just about pie in the sky when we die. Jesus is our king now. He is a living king, and our faith is a living faith. So don't wait until you die to recognize Jesus as your king. Don't wait until you die to live as though Jesus is your king, because he is your king right now. Jesus wants us to follow him, to listen to him, to give our lives to him. But he won't make us do it. Jesus is not a tyrant like the rulers of this earth. We have a right to be afraid of earthly kings. Remember, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But Jesus is the king that will never fail us, no matter what happens. How many of you have ever had trouble in your life? Uh, More than a few of you, like all of you, have had some trouble in your life. I have too. I've had some trouble in, your, in my life. And in the psalm that we read this morning, Psalm 46, it begins saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I'm sure if we had time for it, we could listen to lots of stories of the ways that our God has helped you in the midst of your trouble, because he does so all the time, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in little ways. But our God is a very present help in trouble, just like a good shepherd cares for his sheep. That's who our God is to us. Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. His rule is just and perfect. He always has our best interests and the best interests of his kingdom in mind, in all things. And one day he will make right everything that is broken in this world. We read from the book of Colossians this morning. And in Colossians, it says that Jesus is before all things. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Now imagine for a moment, Jesus just kind of holding, you know the song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's holding the whole world together. So imagine if he just took his hands off, the earth for a moment, took his hands off the universe for a moment, what would happen? If he's holding all things together, I don't even know what would happen. I don't want to know what would happen. It would be bad. Jesus is still that kind of a ruler over his creation. He holds it all together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The cross is the key here. The blood of the cross is the key. And it is the thing that makes peace in this broken creation. It is the cross and the blood of the cross that is reconciling this broken creation and drawing all things back into the order that they were created to have. He is holding all things together, and one day he will set everything right. This is our king. He is worthy of all praise. He created us. He won the victory for us, and he reigns forever on high. So won't you give your all to him? Let us pray. Jesus, you are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Lord, today we lift up our hands and we offer ourselves to you. We put ourselves under your authority, under your rule and reign, Lord, we are citizens of your kingdom. We are children of God. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you that your cross and the blood of the cross has made peace between us and the Father. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to restore all things and that you would bring all things in subjection under your reign. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.GoodSamaritanAnglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.